Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. On the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered no. Then Haggai said, If a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this, to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of twenty measures, there were only ten. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were only twenty. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it experience the blessing of the Lord from this day on. What does it take to receive the blessing of God? What must one do in order to receive His favor? Does it take a strict obedience to His law? Do you have to read your Bible and pray every day? Does it require acts of kindness, helping out the poor and the needy? How does, how does one go from, from being cursed to being blessed? This is the question that our text for today seeks to answer. But in, in order to do this, we, we need some background first. This is why I had Jeff read such a, a long scripture reading for our first reading in, in the book of Ezra, chapter 3. Uh, what we saw there was, was a time when, when the Jews that had originally returned to the promised land had the green light from, from King Cyrus to, to rebuild the temple of the Lord. But before they had gathered any of the timber or laid any of the, uh, the stone in the ground, they, they built an altar in order to reestablish that sacrificial system. And they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles offering up the required numbers of burnt offerings that were prescribed for each of those days. And it was shortly after this that, that we discovered that they finally began to lay the foundation to the temple. Things seemed to be moving right along until they weren't. Word spread of this reconstruction and the surrounding nations put pressure on these Jews and the construction came to a dead halt. 
fast forward 18 years and this next generation of Jews, the, the Jews of Haggai's day, found themselves in an almost identical situation as their forefathers. They had, they had just celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles by offering sacrifices on the altar to their God. And now, two months later, they, 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 they had gathered enough timber from the mountains and, and they began to lay the foundation to the temple. Basically, they had journeyed as far as their fathers did in such an endeavor. The question was, would they go any further? Construction has changed a lot in the last 2,500 years. But there, are, but there are still some things that, that remain the same. In order to construct a, a great building, you must first have a strong foundation. In our culture, we, we have what is known as a groundbreaking ceremony. And this, this picture says it all, does it not? You get some fancily dressed people wearing a suit and a tie. You give them a, a golden shovel and ask them to do some menial labor by digging the first hole. Right? That's a groundbreaking ceremony. Well, such a tradition has a long history. This is basically what was going on on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of King Darius. The Jews were laying the foundation of the temple of the Lord. It was a, a time when all the people would have gathered in order to celebrate and the, the start of something great. I'm sure Joshua and all the other priests were, were there with their priestly vestments on. And Zerubbabel was probably wearing his kingly attire. They, they would have made a show of it because it was an important day. It was the day when the foundation to the temple of the Lord was being laid. But it was also a day when the word of the Lord came once again to the prophet Haggai. For God had something to say to his people. Look at verses 11 through 13. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment... And that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, oil, or other food. Does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. As he has done so, done so, so many times throughout this book, of Haggai, God is once again asking a question in order to challenge his people. He wants them to use their brains and, and, and think. This has been his methodology from the get-go. If you recall, these are some of the questions that, that God had confronted his people with. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What, what you brought home, I blew away. Why? Who of you is left who, who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? And now here, God is inquiring of his people their knowledge of consecration and defilement. 
And while these questions were directed towards the priests, for they were the ones who knew the law best, these things were asked publicly and were really meant for all ears present. Now, what, what is God getting on about? Why, why the interrogation? Well, let's look at this first question and see what we can figure out. If a person carries consecrated meat in the, in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew or some wine, oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? Three degrees of separation. Consecrated meat to the fold of a garment to some bread or some stew or really any type of food. This is a, this is a question of the contagiousness of holiness, for, for that's what consecrated means. Does holiness spread from one object to the next and then to the next? Look at uh, Leviticus 6, verses 24 through 27. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron and his sons, These are the regulations for the sin offering. The sin offering is to be slaughtered before the Lord in the place that the burnt offering is slaughtered. It is most holy. The priest who offers it shall eat it. It is to be eaten in a holy place, in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. And here's the crucial part. Look at verse 27. Whatever touches any of the flesh will become holy. And if any of the blood is splattered on a garment, you must wash it in a holy place. And so here we see that the consecrated meat makes the garment holy, even if just, just a little bit of the blood is splattered upon it. But the question is, will then that garment consecrate anything that it touches? Will it make something else holy? In other words, how contagious is this holiness? The priests answer rightly by saying no. Consecration is not a, a third-degree contagion. Holy, holiness must come from the original source. Now let's look at the second scenario. If a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Again, this is a question of how contagious is it? What is the degree of separation? We, we, we find an answer in, in Numbers chapter 19. Look at verse 22. Anything that an unclean person touches becomes unclean, and anyone who touches it becomes unclean till evening. Here we see this third degree of, of, of contagiousness. It goes from person to object to person. This defilement is like a virus that spreads from, from one host to the next. Is this making sense to you? When it, when it comes to consecration or holiness, you have to touch the source for it to spread. But when it comes to defilement, it goes from host to host to host. So what's the point in all this? What, what is this all about? Why these questions? Let's look at verse 14 and find out. Then Haggai said, So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. 
what this is referring to are the sacrifices of the people. The offerings that they were bringing to the altar were unclean because the people who were carrying them were unclean. This is the contagious nature of defilement. Now what is, what is God getting at? How were how how the people defiling these sacrifices? I mean, it's not like they were, they were going around touching dead bodies or doing anything else that would cause them to be ceremonially unclean. And yet God said that whatever they offered there was defiled. Here's what you have to understand. There, there is another type of defilement. A defilement that has its origin not from anything external, such as touching the, that dead body, but rather it comes from an inner source. Look at, look at Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What Jesus was demonstrating here was the condition of their heart. These men, these, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law were, were, were the experts, right? They were the religious experts. They made all the right sacrifices. They followed all the commandments. They even went beyond what God's word said. And yet, inwardly, they were corrupt. They, they, they were defiled, unclean. Now, you may be asking yourself, what, what is going on here? What is this all about? How can we compare these people, these, these Pharisees, to the remnant of Haggai's day? I mean, after all, they were the ones that feared the Lord. They, they turned in repentance to Him and began to rebuild His house. How can we compare them to the Pharisees? Were the people of Haggai's time inwardly defiled? Surely they, they repented. Surely they had faith. Here's the surprising thing. They, they did. They, they did have faith. They did repent. To, to, to fully understand what, what is going on here, we must take into consideration the full context. Remember where they were and at what stage that this building project was at. They, they had gotten to the same point as the generation before them. And it was that previous generation who did not fear the Lord as they gave up on rebuilding the temple. They were a defiled people offering a defiled sacrifice. And if this generation followed that same path, if they were going to give up, then, then just like their forebears, whatever they do and whatever they offer there would be defiled. The, the point is that this project needed to progress beyond its foundation. God demanded an entire temple, and not just merely a glorified altar on some interlocking stones. If they, if they truly had faith, 
If they had truly repented, then they would push past that point, past the point of laying the foundation. God wanted them to finish the job. He wanted them to rebuild his house. For if they truly honored him, then they would complete the work. As Christians, our, our acts of worship look different than these Jews. The, the temple has been done away with, and now we look to Christ as that ultimate sacrificial lamb. But that doesn't mean that we aren't called to sacrifice. Look at, look at Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As Christians, we are the temple of God. And our, and our sacrifices are what we do with our bodies and our minds. But just like these Jews, we are capable of defiling our offerings. When you give in to anger and lash out. When, when you surrender to the lusts of your flesh and indulge in things you shouldn't. When, when you ignore the, the, the calling that God has placed upon your life and don't complete the work but follow a different path. That's what the, the Jews of Haggai's day would be, would be tempted to do. They had built an altar to God, and they were already making the sacrifices. Maybe that would be good enough. God wanted something different. He wanted them to complete the, the, the calling He had placed upon them. He wanted them to finish the, the construction of His house. But in order to do that, they would need the resolve to carry it out. And to encourage them in that direction, God would once again challenge them to use their minds and give careful thought. Look at our last set of verses, verses 15 through 19. Now give careful thought to this. From this day on, consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of twenty measures... There were only ten. When anyone went, into, went to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were only twenty. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Again, God wanted them to notice the, the, the hardships that they were suffering. He wanted them to give careful thought on, on their experience and see God's will in all of it. How he struck the work of their hands with blight and mildew and hail. He wanted them to take stock of their, of their storehouses and inspect their vineyards and, and orchards. He wanted them to understand that he is the one who sustains their life. And up to this point, because of their defilement, they had been struggling. But from this day on, 
From the, from, the, from the day of the foundation that would be laid, this would be the day that things would turn around from them. Instead of being a, a, a defiled people under the curse of God, they would be consecrated and God's blessing would be upon them. And this is, is the point of this whole passage, that, that, that God had seen their faith, He had witnessed their repentance, and because of that, He was lifting the curse. They were not like that former generation who did not fear the Lord and, 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 and in turn halted the work. No, for, for he had taken a defiled people. He had stirred up their spirits. He had cleansed them from within. Dear friends, God's mercy is so great that it is capable of overcoming your defilement. Do you remember when we were going through the Gospel of Matthew and, and we came to a passage where, where the touch of Jesus was actually more contagious than the uncleanliness of a leper? Look at Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. When he, when he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. According to what we read earlier in Haggai, what happened here should not have taken place. It is the defilement that is contagious and not the holiness. But what does Christ say? Be clean. You see, Jesus is like that consecrated meat. He is, he is the source. And if you touch him, his holiness rubs off on you. This is why he is that ultimate sacrifice. For only in Him can, can your defilement be taken away and, and can you be made clean. For it is through Him that the curse is lifted and the blessings of God flow. What does it take to receive the blessing of God? It takes a, a, a conse consecration that is greater than your defilement. It takes a holiness that will cleanse you from your sins. It takes God's Son. In our, in our passage for today, God was establishing for His people a marker, a, a milestone, if you will, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. And He said, from this day on, I will bless you. He wanted them to check and, and compare would their harvest stay fresh? Would their wine vats remain full? Would their orchards bear fruit? Would God bless them? This is, this is what God does. He, he takes a, a defiled people, a people that were cursed, and He cleanses them. He then grants them His favor. No longer would they face drought. No longer would they be blight or mildew or hail. For from this day on, their, their, their crops would yield in abundance. 
From this day on, a, a defiled people would experience the mercy of God. From this day on, they would be blessed. And the same is true for those who are in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says this, Praise, to, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It is only through Jesus that you can, can receive the blessing of God. Only through Him can your living sacrifices be pleasing to the Lord. Brothers, sisters, God wants to bless you. He desires it. But He only does so through His Son. Turn from your sins, trust in Him, and from this day on, you too will be blessed. Let us pray. Father, just like the Jews of old, we, we too are a defiled people. The offerings we bring have been tainted by our sins. We look to your Son to cleanse us. Only in Him can, can we be consecrated unto you. Renew our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.